Welcome to the Conversion Tracking Playbook, where we share how to overcome tracking challenges that e-commerce brands face today and real-world examples of transforming data into insights. Welcome back to another episode of the Conversion Tracking Playbook. I'm your host, Brad Redding, and today I'm going to get back into some data analysis insights to hopefully inspire you for some of your own CRO activities. Before I get into that, I have a few things to go through. Number one, the Elevar Index. So this is our benchmarking tool. This is now available. It is in beta. And there'll be a link in the show notes and it is just what you think it is. It's an index. It's a benchmark. We are pulling key KPIs like add to carts and product views and revenue per visitor, conversion rate, et cetera, et cetera. And you can filter by revenue band, by date range, by vertical. So clothing, shoes, et cetera, and just see where things are trending. A few asks from you, if you do go and check out this page, there is a button that says give feedback. If you could just fill that out for us, because we are taking this in a step-by-step -step approach where I've literally been asked, I don't know how many times in the last five to 10 years, Hey, you guys have a lot of data. Can you tell me how I'm performing against my peers or against the general market? So this is our attempt at investing in that and providing that for free. There's no strings attached or anything like that. So if, uh, if you do find this useful, if you have good feedback, bad feedback, we're listening, somebody shared on LinkedIn a few weeks ago, hey, can you add a seven day moving average to this? We did that. So it's, we are fully uh, adaptable and uh, we're trying to make this as useful as possible for everyone. So check that out. It's getelevar.com slash benchmark and let us know what you think. And hopefully it serves you and helps. Second thing, we're certainly seeing a big Russian move of folks moving to Shopify Plus, upgrading to the new checkout extensibility. Two things, I know we have many customers, thank you, that listen to this podcast. If you are a pro customer, please let us know before proceeding with that upgrade just so we can help you navigate that. If you are a self-serve or you have a team that's managing your LVAR implementation, we do have docs, so knowledge-based docs that you can follow to go through. And this is an evolving process. We're still working with Shopify with some updates to the WebPixel API integration that we have to support current and future server-side destinations. So bear with us as this is also a moving and evolving change for our platform. And obviously you all with Shopify, but our goal is to make sure that everyone can make that move as fast as possible without impacting any of your tracking. So uh, just let us know if you are making that change so we can assist. Last but not least, before getting into the insights and data analysis tips for today, just giving you a heads up on new server-side destinations that we have rolling out or currently in beta. So Pinterest will be live for everyone. Right now it's been in beta. We've been testing it with a few customers. So that'll be live for everyone to use. Same thing with Smartly. We also will have Awin, Commission Junction, and I think Taboola coming up here next. That'll be essentially the way that we work this as we release it. You can't see it. Everyone can't see it. It is a invite or ask only destination. We go through, set you up and validate and make sure that uh, everything works as we expect it. Tongue twister there. And when it does, then we just enable it and show it to everybody. We also have a major big one that we've been 
also been asked about this one for a long time. Not going to name any names yet. You can do your own guessing, but this one is also rolling out into a private beta this month. So there's that. All right, on to some optimization and tips. Number one, I'm going to start small and work up in complexity. So we have, uh, I was going through True Classic T's site and saw something very simple, but something that I think could be very powerful to use. And it's an exit intent. So I was on my phone initially browsing and I was, I was literally, I was actually going to close out the window and I got an exit intent banner and it was, Hey, before you leave, we have a 60% off sale, shop the sale. And it was driving me to their sale. I'm assuming it's just like a, their ongoing sale page where obviously they had a bunch of discounted items for sale. The thing that was interesting and it works mobile and desktop is in the world of SaaS. So in my world and blogs and non-e-commerce sites, eggs and intent banners have always been so popular. And the exit intent banners have been anywhere from, hey, before you leave, download this cheat sheet checklist and we'll send it to your email. Or, hey, before you leave, do you want to watch this demo? Hey, do you want to watch book a demo with us? But you don't really see it a whole lot in e-com. Obviously, we see the land on the site and you have the modal and the prompts for email SMS collection, but you don't see it very often where someone is exiting and there's an exit intent to drive the person to take an action besides an email or at all. So if you just pull up five, even pull up some of your competitor sites, your site, sites that you look to for inspiration, chances are when you go to exit the site, you are not going to be served an exit intent modal that overlays to try to stop you from exiting or, or bouncing the site. This one, I think for them, I bet it does really well. The response on it is, is, I don't know, it caught my attention. It was slick. And if you do implement this, how to measure the impact of it, if you are using, I'm not sure what tool they're using. And I think what you, if and when you implement this, you can add two different events to it. One, you can add an impression event. So when that modal shows via an event that goes to Google Analytics, you can use our Chrome extension to do that. So the way you would do this using our Chrome extension is the modal would show with our Chrome extension open. You would just select it with your cursor in the trigger type, select visibility or impression trigger, and that'll be the impression type and then create that event in GA. The second one would be click. So same thing, you can use our Chrome extension, or if you just know how to create events on your own, you can do that. Just add a click event. So if somebody actually clicks on that CTA, so the, in this case, driving the user to the sale category, track that event and see what the conversion rate is. Ideally, you A-B test it. So you can A-B test showing the modal and seeing what the performance is. And if you are A-B testing it, you just want to analyze in GA or both. Inside of GA, if you are still using Universal Analytics, always still have it, just go to your event report, check out the event action for modal impression, modal view or modal click and see what the conversion rate is for that. And you can create segments if you want to do a deeper dive there. So that is one, one optimization tip and data analysis tip that is interesting depending on what you sell and if you have a something unique to drive a user to to catch their attention once you're done analyzing so just some data cleanliness here i would pause that impression trigger in gtm impression triggers or visibility based triggers depending on your site they i've seen i don't know less than five percent of the time i've seen random issues come up or visibility triggers they just kind of go haywire so just pause that tag when you're done doing your analysis number two in optimization tips and tricks on tracking and how to track an optimization. 
So this is one that we've shared in our strategy of the week email several times. So several examples where small animations, Andrew on our team is a big fan of this, small animations, they just do a great job at driving focus and attention. If we think about the old internet days where you'd pull up a site and it's just flashing lights everywhere, that obviously had its time and people went away from that and went to more static-based images and, and videos become very big, obviously. But we are seeing animation make a comeback and we've seen this tested both ways. So we've had new customers that have onboarded with us where they have a very uh, animated top banner. So just banner that rotates and it has flashes and lightning bolts and things like that. And we've seen that test run where they're hiding that and the variation where the control actually has that animated banner at the top outperformed, which was surprising. We've seen other tests implemented where let's say you have a product page and you sell subscriptions and one-time items, and we've seen small animations or icons around the subscription. That has also outperformed. So adding, I don't, I'm just gonna make this up on a fly. You sell coffee beans and there's you know animated coffee cup or coffee grinder or something by the subscription. It's just enough, it will draw the user's attention to that. So it just gives you a place to focus, to draw the user's attention and focus. If you just think about the chat bubble and, and chat prompts that have, in the last, I don't know how many years, five or 10 years, have grown in importance, or maybe they're growing out of importance, but same thing, it was, hey, here's a chat bubble, or hey, here's a video widget where a uh, video-wise is big with that today, where you see a person, so it's very visual, it's eye-catching. And at least all the data and stats I've seen with them is it performs very well. Same concept, animation can draw the user's attention and focus, which if it's drawing attention to the right item on your site can produce results. So any real example for you, this came from Lydia on our team, Adidas has this. So if you go to Adidas's website, they're my accounts. So they don't have that initial land on a site, get bombarded with the 30% off modal if you trade your email and phone number, but they have an animation over their My Account button. So they have the My Account button, then they have an animated one that's bouncing up and down on top of it. So you go click on it, and that is initiating the experience of sign up for email, loyalty. It also creates an account behind the scene. So that, unfortunately, we are A-B testing that on Adidas. They haven't returned my call yet, but that was a very interesting user experience to just test different ways to collect emails or drive loyalty signups or account signups and uh, especially mobile. I mean, if, if you just think that little animation popping up and down is going to gather quite a bit of real estate. How you would measure that, very similar. So you'd create uh, click events. So if you were doing your before and after, if you weren't A-B testing this, my generic answer in all of this is if you have the ability to A-B test it, great. But if you don't, just move on and, and try to do some, some analysis on your own. But if you're doing your before where you had the modal and you implement this, where it's behind a, an icon animation, the obvious ones you'd want to look at is the percentage of users to emails collected. So what's your subscribe rate? What's your click rate? So are people clicking on that? What's the conversion rate for that? Uh, is it a substantially higher click rate than before you had the animation? And then if you really wanted to get, uh, I would say extremely advanced here, then tagging the email that came through this. Chances are you have email signups on your footer. Maybe you do still have a, a modal pop-up. You have your checkout emails, your purchase emails. But if you implement this feature where you're driving through the My Account or something similar to what Adidas is doing, then tag that email signup so you can see where the source is, so where did it originate from, and compare the results of those emails collected versus others. 
And you can do that through a custom Klaviyo property or what other email tool you use. You can likely tag those as well. Let's move on to number three. This one, if you are a data nerd like me, bear with me because this one is going to get in the weeds on some amazing customer segments. A recent podcast was with Anthony Morgan. We went through conversion optimization and it was very, very heavy on CRO. And one thing he mentioned on that episode, which if you haven't listened to that, go listen to it. It was amazing. We went through customer research examples. But one thing that he mentioned that he likes to have his customers do is just have someone go through and browse your site. Just have a stranger go through and browse your site to pick out UX improvements or things that they might do differently or like, hey, did you ever think about this? Or hey, do you have this bug? I do this with my wife all the time. If we're laying in bed, I'll say, hey, can you just go through the site and just tell me what you think? And it's just, it's a different perspective. You get someone like, oh yeah, I'll go through, you know, site X, Y, Z and go pretend like I'm shopping. So in this example, one of our amazing senior analysts, Vishal. So we've been onboarding this new customer and independently is looking at how to split subscription purchases and one-time purchases through the native checkout and pass those back to, as goals to different destinations. And he sent me a video and just was like, hey, I noticed this odd thing happening or going on with a site. We might want to just we're not obviously managing all of their CRO or on-site UX, but I think this issue might be costing them a lot of money. And here's what it was. The, you go to a product page, you click add to cart. After you clicked add to cart, there was an overlay confirmation like, hey, you, you know, successfully add this item to your cart. And the add to cart button on the PDP was a dark green. So it's just a dark green button, add to cart. You get the modal. So on the modal overlay, after they give you the, hey, this was successful, proceed to checkout. That checkout button was in black. That led them to the cart page. So the cart page that the user landed on had two buttons. The top button was a continue shopping in black. There was a button below that, which was the actual continue to checkout to the actual checkout, which was in dark green. So this seemed odd to him because he immediately, and I actually did this too, he clicked the top black button which sent him back to the homepage or sent me back to the homepage. And the easy thing we could have done here, he could have done here is just, hey, you know, it's best practice. Your primary call to action should all be the same color. So your add to cart button and the, the modal proceed to checkout and the checkout call to action on, on the cart page should all be the same color. Yes, if you're listening, you probably get that and it makes sense. They, maybe there's reasons for uh, not doing it that way. But to bring this back to the have someone go through the site, give you feedback or questions, and then look at the data. So easy route would have been, hey, we noticed this, go fix it. It may not have landed that well because new customer partner brand of ours, we're giving them, we're critiquing their UX, but we're not giving them the why. So in this case, Vishal went through and did the why of created in universal analytics, a sequence segment. So a new segment where step one, you view a cart page. Step two, you go to the homepage, step three, you go to the cart page again. So this is simulating the experience of, okay, added to cart, I land on the cart page, I click the top button, which I thought was going to send me a checkout, but it sent me back to the homepage. And I go from the homepage and go back to the cart page. So there were 750 users were, fell into the segment, created a second segment, sequence segment, go to the cart page. Step one, go to the cart page. Step two, Go to the homepage. Step three, no transaction for that user. 
So this was the hypothesizing, hey, I wonder how many people that they are losing through this potentially confusing cycle that was a little over a thousand people where they abandon and they don't check out. So then we looked at, it's taking me longer to explain than it is to pull this data, by the way. And then you just look at, okay, if I look at my shopping funnel report, what percentage of people that add to cart end up purchasing, let's say 30%. So then take the number of users. So if there are a thousand users that fell in that second segment where you added to cart, went to the homepage, so in theory, clicked on the wrong button and then did not complete a transaction. So a thousand people, if on average, 30% are going through and completing checkout after they add to cart, could just take a thousand users times 30%, 300 users, potentially they should have converted, but they didn't if we are able to determine this as a bug. And then you can take the 300 users times the average order value to give you the potential revenue that you're losing from this UX bug. So to wrap this one up, it starts with just having a stranger to go through the site without you spending hours and hours in analytics and just say like, hey, this is kind of weird. Maybe you should look at this. I think my wife literally, or she did literally do this with H&M a couple of weeks ago. She's trying to buy something for our, our youngest son and product page was acting all weird and she didn't, didn't end up buying. So just having someone go through an experience and just give you that feedback. And then if it does sound like, hey, that does sound like that could be an issue, then you actually have a scenario to go research in Google Analytics. You can piece this together and determine if that's something that you want to tackle. It is so easy to get lost inside of Google Analytics when you don't have a question that you're trying to answer. When I was prepping for this podcast, I was pulling up multiple customer accounts, just trying to go through analytics and find some stories to tell. And it's just, it was almost worthless. It wasn't completely worthless, but it was almost worthless because I'm looking for a needle in a haystack. So when you have a scenario that somebody can provide you to go research, it can save you a lot of time. All right, number four is going to be product page performance. So we're gonna do a combination here of looking at not just a product page performance. So what's my conversion rate for people who view my product page? In this example, again, Lydia on our team, getting a lot of kudos today. She was looking at product pages plus event tracking. So again, if you're L of our customer, you can use our Chrome extension. If you have not tagged various elements on your product page, so tagging size chart clicks or review clicks or image clicks, et cetera, but looking at product pages, and then you can just look at a secondary dimension or there's several ways to look at this data. You can do your event action where you're filtered by product page event categories, and then you can do event label, which would be your pages, so your page URLs. But looking at the event actions that are happening on a product page, again, those size chart clicks, et cetera, what has high usage and a high conversion rate. So in this example, looking at PDP visits where a user clicked on the view specs. So this product is a little bit more technical, not super technical. I mean, many, I don't know, 50% of customers would likely have some sort of specs on their product page, but they had a product page where they had specifications that was in a collapsed drawer and it had a very high conversion rate two different segments. So very similar to what we talked about previously. Segment number one, you have a segment where a user viewed a product page, but did not click on the specs. Segment number two, viewed a product page and clicked on the specs. For segment number one, conversion rate was 1%. For segment number two, conversion rate was 3%. So you can take these two segments and look at, well, holy cow, people who are clicking on specs are converting 
three times as much as those who don't, but that's kind of hidden. It's not the most prominent thing on a page. It's probably number 10 in terms of hierarchy. You can create a hypothesis to test that. You can make it more prominent. You can move it up on the page. You can do a million different things. If you want to go one step further, if you have the traffic to support this, you could also start filtering out that segment by looking at new versus returning users. So if you just wanted to look at new users for spec and non-spec clicks or device type. So this is a really interesting one that I love because nobody does this. If I were to poll a hundred different people, how often are you looking at your product page performance with event tracking on a product page? It's less than 10%, less than 10%. People look at Hotjar and video replays and heat maps, et cetera. But creating this skill of combining event tracking analysis with a standard page view tracking or just standard shopping funnel tracking is a really strong skill. It can really lead to a high performing CRO program or just building a, a backlog and an amazingly performant site. The last tip I have for you today is around GA4 event tracking. Just spent a lot of time talking about event tracking and universal analytics. It is unfortunately very, very different in GA4. So what I want to share with you today is a general guideline on how to structure your event tracking in this is your behavior event tracking in GA4. So if you are using Google Tag Manager, whether it's on your own or using our Chrome extension and you are creating a new behavior event, so clicked on size guide, the event name what we are recommending and implementing in our GA4 tune-ups are the event name is going to be behavior. So in GA4, you can, it's an open field. So you want to set that as behavior and then your event parameters. This is where you can do your category, action, label, and type. So if you want to migrate all of your universal analytics tracking, a behavior event track into GA4, we do have a way to automate this, automate 90% of it. We'll publish it at some point, but you can migrate all of your event track into GA4. So again, event name will be behavior and then event parameters will be category, action, label, type. There will be a link in the show notes that'll show you a visual of this. But your parameter name, which again, it's an open field. So it's not like universal analytics tags where you just, it's predefined. So you have to actually put in category, action, label as the parameter name. And then the value would be the activity. So category, value, quiz, action, value, open, label, value, bottom, type, value, behavior. The reason why we recommend the structure is so we can group all of your behavior events into a single report inside of GA4. So inside of GA4, you can customize your left navigation. So underneath the engagement label, Pull up GA4 if you're listening to this and you're on the desktop. Underneath GA4, you can expand engagement. So this is under the report section. We are in our GA4 tune-ups adding a behavior events subnav item that's pre-filtered by the type behavior. And that type behavior is being defined in your property settings. So under your custom definitions, again, I'll have a screenshot of this. The custom definitions, you are going to see action, category, label, type that I just mentioned with the description of behavior events. So in that custom report that I just referenced, you can view all of your events. So your, your behavior events, you can view them in one report and do your filtering and see usage, et cetera.
So that is a, I'd say a little bit of a, it's a 80% tip, 20% warning in following your naming conventions for GA4 behavior event tracking. We will definitely have more on this in the future as we get closer and closer to the cutover to GA4. I hope this was helpful so that for CRO tips and some way to slice and dice that and uh, a little bit of a heads up as we get into GA4 event tracking, again, check the show notes where you can see exactly where these settings and you can see the GTM tag that I referenced and how to set that up. As always, if you have questions, feedback, we'd love to hear it. And uh, that's all I got for this week. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, we release two new episodes per week. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else that you subscribe and listen to your podcasts. I also have a favor to ask. I'd really appreciate if you could leave a comment or a review so I can learn exactly how to improve future episodes for you. And last but not least, if you want to connect with me, find me on LinkedIn by searching Brad Redding at Elevar. That's E-L-E-V-A-R. Or you can DM me on Twitter. My handle is I am Brad Redding. I look forward to connecting with you. Thanks again. Thanks again.